0: well good morning welcome to sound insight it is a great joy to be with you today and i am sitting across the table from two holy priests of god with wonderful smiles radiating god's glory i'm recording this program on the feast of saint francis of assisi and i'm sitting across from two priests that originally came from Nigeria, but are now serving here in Coeur at St. Thomas the Apostle Catholic Church in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It's Father Remy and Father Anthony. Fathers, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. So Fathers, it's great to, to get a chance to finally meet you. I've been in your assembly at Mass before. You didn't know that, because uh, my family sometimes will come to Mass here. We live uh, in Eastern Washington, but um, we have lots of friends, and depending on who's in town, we'll sometimes take them to different churches in places where they might be living. And so one of the places that has drawn a lot of attention is Coeur d'Alene, and so St. Thomas has a lot of folks that have just moved into the area. Have you had a sense of that? Have you noticed that at all? The answer is yes. You, <laughs> that is not a trick question. So.
1: Yeah, I think we we are new here. Most of the, the people that came in to settle here, came even before us. But we've heard it that there have been many, a kind of influx of people recently in Cortland that has made the population of people here to swell a bit. Yes. So we've heard it and we are experiencing, especially during the summer holiday.
0: Yes, well, and it's isn't the weather's very beautiful here. Now, fathers, I mentioned that the two of you come from Nigeria. Uh, Nigeria is a very big country. Did, did you come from a similar area, a similar part of the country? I'd love to hear a little bit about that story. Tell us a little bit about uh, your backgrounds. I'll start with you, Father Remy, and then for you, Father Anthony.
1: Well, just as you said, Nigeria is a very big nation. Not necessarily by way of landmass, because there are many other African countries that are very big in matters of landmass than Nigeria. But Nigeria is so big because Nigeria has one of the greatest populations among black settlers in the world. So, like, I know that Nigeria is not less than 200 million people within that geographical location. So, that is why. And you know, Nigeria, being blessed with so many resources, natural and human, is a very big nation.
0: And aren't there a lot of Catholics in Nigeria? Isn't it one of the largest Catholic populations in Africa? Is that right?
1: It it could be one, because Mm -hmm. I know places like Congo, Ethiopia, they have a large number of Catholics, too. But Nigeria, Cambodia, especially when you talk about the clerics, Catholic Mm -hmm. clerics, they have a large number.
0: So, Father Anthony, I want to welcome you as well. Um, How long have you been in the United States, Father Anthony?
1: Yeah, I have been... About
2: nine months in the United States of America. I came in here by January this year, but I first posted to St. John Bosco's Academy in Cottonwood as a chaplain and teacher. And I stayed there for about five months. Then the bishop transferred me to St. Thomas, Scotland. That is where I'm working now.
0: That's beautiful. So, Father Anthony, um, you obviously sensed a call while in Nigeria to make yourself available to come on mission and to serve in Boise, Idaho. What was that like? How did you discern that, as a priest, you would be called to be of service here in Boise, Idaho?
2: Yes, um, I know from the inception that I was ordained to serve the world. I was not ordained to serve my family or my diocese alone. Every priest is a missionary. And you know, this word missionary came from the Latin missio. And missio means sent. By who? By an authority. And that authority is our Lord Jesus Christ via the church. So I know that I must serve the world. So when the opportunity comes, that I must go to Boise to serve, I made myself available. I accepted to work in Boise. Hence, the journey started from Nigeria to the Diocese of Boise.
0: Father, that's really beautiful and powerful and even a bit surprising, because um, when you were ordained, you had that openness that the Lord could call you anywhere in the world. But I don't think many priests think that that's actually going to happen. And so for you to hear, a, to say a yes in advance to the Lord that he could pull you away from, as you said, it's not just your country, it's your family. It's the church that you grew up with. It's the church that, that out of which sprang the, the, the vocation, the, the yes to the priesthood and then to sense the Lord could call me through all of that to go away from all of that to serve God's people over here. That's really powerful. Wow. So, Father Remy, I'm going to come back to you because you also um, followed a similar journey. Um, how long have you been here in the United States?
1: Well, I think I've been here for say about 15 months now.
0: Fifteen months. So, is it your fault that Father Anthony's here? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You came here and
1: you said, uh, you said to your bishop back home, Bishop, they need a lot of help. We need, we need more priests. <laughs> Though not necessary, my coming over here was just like I have served for almost twenty-three years as a priest in really? my, a diocese. Then I wanted to go on sabbatical leave, a little bit away from my diocese and, if possible, from my country and if possible, from my own continent. So there was this connection uh, by a priest friend who is in the, a military chaplain. I think he's a, a friend to Bishop Pira. maybe discuss about my sabbatical. I said, oh, it seems you people have enough priests. Can you come over and help us? We need priests. And he got back to me. I said, no problem. So Bishop Pira, my bishop agreed that let it be not only sabbatical but a mission. So that's how I came over to Boise to not only have a sabbatical but also to be involved in the mission.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Father Remy, a sabbatical is is about getting a rest. You're not getting a lot of rest at St. Thomas the Apostle because <laughs> it has through... <laughs> been turned into a missionary work. So yeah. you
1: have to keep working. That's what a priestly man could be.
0: Yes. Amen. Today I'm talking with Father Remy and Father Anthony, two priests from Nigeria serving here in the Diocese of Boise as the pastor and associate at St. Thomas the Apostle in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Fathers, you must know that uh, the feedback I've heard is the joy that, that comes out of you, the, the, the joyful way that you live your priesthood, the way that you talk about Jesus, the way that you incorporate singing to Jesus right in the sacred liturgy, it's very beautiful, but I think it's something that's a distinct gift that may have come from the African church, the church in Africa. I'd love to learn a little bit, Father Remy, about your own growing up. Did you grow up in a Catholic family? Was Catholicism a part of your life? And, and how did a, a sense of the priesthood, um, how was that part of your own um, discernment? How did that emerge?
1: Well, just as you rightly pointed out, Graham. In fact I would say my Catholicism began from the womb because I was born into a Catholic home my father a Catholic my mother a Catholic my grandparents we are Catholics too somehow and uh, <laughs> I grew up in the Catholic Church I was baptized an infant so with my twin brother who is late so so
0: did you grow up in a city in in a uh, in a more of a, a suburb or out in a um...
1: I, absolutely I grew up in one of the noisy and crazy cities in my place, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They are full of religious passion, but at the same time, many other things are involved. In fact, for you to grow up in that city and become a Catholic priest means that you have a car. You have a car, yeah. Oh, wow. Now, why would that be? Yeah, because (laughs) Father Anthony can be a witness to grow up in a city called Abba which is presently now in Abia State, in Nigeria. We used to be part of our own state, now Imo State. It's a crazy town. It's a now. Crazy what is
0: crazy town. town? What does that mean? Crazy? Give me an example of crazy. You, you, you get all sorts of
1: kind of living, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Rough people. Mm-hmm. They can be very rough. Mm-hmm. You know, they can be rough. Yeah. They can go to church, but they can be rough. Yeah. It is a city that's... At times they don't demarcate between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Though not being loose, but you can be rough. You can be exposed to all kind of way of living.
0: Wow. So father, you grew up in a home that was Catholic with brothers Catholic. Right. So at what point did you start thinking, you know, I, I might be called to be a priest? How did that evolve?
1: Well, from my childhood, I was involved in what you can call church activities because we used to have this uh, children ministry that is devoted to Mary and the Christ. But apart from that, actually, when I was growing up, I wasn't too close to the church like being an altar server or a lector. I was growing up the normal way and my, my ambition was to be a legal practitioner. Really, a lawyer? Lawyer. Oh, I'll pray for you, Father. (laughs) (laughs) I say desire if I have the opportunity today. But I was almost about to enter the university when it just struck me that you wanted to be a lawyer to defend people, to be the voice of the voiceless. Don't you think as a priest you can do better? Because even among us, lawyers have some cynical, you know, Uh, impression among the people they are regarded as lawyers and liars because they can turn things the other way around Mm -hmm. don't you think that if you love God and you want to do can't you do it as a priest because in my place priests are respected because they are usually voice of the voiceless and they can be very just
0: yeah Father, you just now you make me feel bad. Okay, you had, you know, that was a
1: great answer. I just
0: I uh, teased you about wanting to be a lawyer, and you said I wanted to be a lawyer to be a voice of the voiceless. Thank you, Father, for making me. I have, now I have to go to confession. Thank you for that. <laughs> very you. helpful, Father. Very your helpful. Is
1: very kind. That was
0: very beautiful. Okay, Father Father Anthony, I want to ask you the same question. So I would love to learn a little bit about. So Father Remy grew up in a city in Nigeria. What about you? What was your background and your family? Did you grow up Catholic, and what was that like?
2: Well I, my family was a Catholic home. And my father was a teacher and um, I grew in college, but um, in the suburb and city, you know, you know transfer of teachers from the suburb countryside, at times in the suburban, at times in the city. So it fluctuates from village to town to cities, okay? And my father was a teacher, but also a Catholic teacher, a Catholic teacher. So I was a mass server or what we call altar server. So from being an altar server, we used to observe the seminarians. You know, seminarians will come on apostolic work. They work here and there, live in the church, live in the father's house. And my father frequents the father's house as a Catholic teacher. So I was observing all those things. My mother was also a teacher. And they both work in the church. They are lectors, and they serve the church in different positions. Okay, Then we watch them. We watch them. Then from being an altar server, then I went through the junior seminary. From junior seminary to the senior seminary. From senior seminary, I became a priest. So as a matter of fact, I entered the junior seminary at ten years. Ten that years Yeah, from the really? junior seminary years. Wow. Good after my... Now I
0: feel really not holy, Father. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Wow.
2: So I started the journey from there. And uh, at a point in time, Father Remy was my teacher in the... In the the junior seminary. Are you serious? That was true. That's great. Was he a good teacher? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And he taught us some, you know, songs, Catholic songs. Really? And uh, at times we discuss about that. You know, oh my
0: goodness! Blessed, I didn't know this.
2: said, assurance, Jesus! I learned it from him in those days. So from there, we started the journey. Till after high school, I went to spiritual year. I met him too as a teacher there in the junior seminary. He once, you know, was my teacher in the high. After the high school, after apostolic work, I went to the spiritual year. We have a year before you enter philosophy, okay? Mm-hmm. Then in the spiritual year, I met him as a teacher because he was also, you know, undergoing. They were ahead of us, mm-hmm. so he taught us. Then after spiritual year, we went to philosophy, okay? That was my background. I came from a Catholic background, and that helped me to form me, you know, and helped me through the seminar. That's
0: really powerful. It, the idea that parents. Would have that openness and that excitement, uh, and their willingness to let someone as young as ten years old yes. to. Because uh, did you live in the seminary or yes, was it just? Yes, we lived in the
2: dormitory. I've oh, you lived in the dormitory as yes. a ten-year-old. Yeah. Wow! How um, many other? Uh, yeah, well, we are more than two hundred and sixty. No. Students. Are you?
0: How many sure. years? How many from ten from years old 10, to? From ten, eleven
2: years, ten, eleven, twelve years.
0: Just, just those three years: ten, yes. eleven, and twelve-year-olds. You are two hundred and sixty. Yes,
2: like yes. Well, we are in a junior them. seminary. In the junior seminary, we live in hostel.
0: That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's
2: amazing. Yes, we live in and um, the first seminary, uh, call it, uh, we call it in Nigeria, Nigeria. Yeah, the minor seminary. Yeah. You know, you start from year one, year two, year three. Okay. In year one, we were about 260 students and we live in hostels. Mm-hmm. Okay, we live in hostels together, and our, the name of our seminary was Mata Ecclesia Seminary. Nice. So that's where we started the journey. Okay, after the first year, probably uh, very few were expelled. We remained about 240. Okay. Then, really? So you didn't have a lot
0: of uh, seminarians dropping out?
2: A lot, well, at first, uh-huh. you know, very few, not much. Yeah. But as time goes on, mm-hmm. you know, cutting, shaping, right. and reshaping. Yeah. Okay? You know, the seminary formation, as you go, you shape, you channel, you cut, you shape, and then as we go on. So in JS1, we call it JS minor seminary, junior seminary year one. We moved from Mata Ecclesia, a preparatory stage, to Saint Peter Clever Seminary. Oh, well, that's for year two. Okay, we went there. At the point, we are also shaped and reshaped as we go on there. So we started the journey to that's the priesthood.
0: That's Father Anthony sharing some of his story, his own vocation story, as uh, growing up in a Catholic home, entering the seminary as a 10-year-old. Now, folks, you hear that. I'm sorry. you you got to up your game here when you're talking to Father Anthony and Father Remy. Ten years old, entering the seminary, spending—is it ten years? Yeah, ten, 10 years. years in the seminary, no. or fifteen? Yeah, fifteen. Yeah, fifteen years in the seminary. Yes, I'm going to pray for you, Father. That's a that's a <laughs> lot of years before <laughs> you were ordained, and yeah. then, uh, and then uh, we've talked already about the fact that you were called to be here. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. drtomcurran.com. again I'm talking today on the program with Father Remy and Father Anthony they're serving as priests here in uh, Coeur d'Alene at St Thomas the Apostle Catholic Church so fathers you hear you you come from this background where you're accustomed to having lots of catholic families being willing to have their children do something like discern a vocation at that age and actually take a step like that. Um, What's it been like, in contrast, seeing what uh, it's like here, living the Catholic faith? How would you see, uh, Father Remy, how would you see, uh, let's call it the, the, the distinct challenge of being Catholic today that lay people face, Um, in America as compared to Nigeria? What would you say is something that makes it harder to live your faith here compared to there?
1: Um, I think what I would say is just the same thing as what I would say with regards to challenges of Catholics or Christians even in Nigeria, but coming from different direction. It is societal problem most often. Mm -hmm. The society has changed. A society that has tried to redefine values. A society that is being almost blown away by scientific and technological advancement. A society that seems to have more confidence in things of government than things that has to do with their faith. And a society where people seek for freedom, not just freedom, for its positive gain, It's almost what can be described as looking for unlimited freedom. Mm -hmm. That has been a challenge, a serious challenge. I think it's one of the And maybe at times the church not being proactive anticipates development of things and get prepared for them. Mm -hmm. So that at times certain development seems to overwhelm the church's system that by the time they realize it, going back to the drawing board, it's almost like late, starting late. So this is part of it. Like here in the United States, I discover for the little time I've worked here as a priest, that there is a very big catechetical gap. At times you presume that the people know very well everything, but they they need to know. Are we ready to teach them? Are we ready to get them involved? Or do we presume they know, they know and treat them that we know? I think a lot of cathedic need, need to be done. Even to the older, because some of them lost God. With that contact you normally have in the olden days. When you start from childhood to grasp as a Catholic, even the schools you attend, most of them were handled by the missions. Today it's not that way. So many of the parents here didn't get that close touch with kate-ka, proper katechika instruction, mm-hmm. in-depth katketka instruction. So we need to let them know. They, they need to know. We don't need to be afraid. Please don't need to be afraid to let them know, no matter what happened, I think this, and also make people realize that all this development in the society can be reconciled with our faith in God. And they can harmonize. At times people try to draw a very sharp demarcation it doesn't help that you're either here or there. But you can see harmonize the two and see be a good Christian and a good public relation somebody.
0: Amen. That's Father <laughs> Remy. The, that's why he's Pastor Father Anthony. That's yes, why so uh, course. So very close. articulate. Father Anthony, now you're a teacher. You've been trained as a teacher. You were teaching, teaching in the seminary. Uh, so uh, is there someone in our Catholic tradition that you really uh, enjoy? in terms of growing in your understanding of the faith?
1: I love many of the classical Catholic patristics. I love them. Whether you call him Aquinas, whether you call him Augustine of Hippo, whether you call him Bonaventure, whether you call him whatever. I'm Bruce of Milan. Name them. They are very outstanding, you know. I wrote my project for philosophy based on Thomas Aquinas, especially with his notion of law and justice. There's
0: That's, that, there's that law, <laughs> lo- lawyer thing again. Good. There we go. I love <laughs> it so much.
1: Yes, I love it. But you know what I love so much is their classical thoughts. Not any particular one. I, I wrote on Aquinas because that was a topic that interested me, and I know Aquinas thought much about that. But all that they were very classical, to be honest and they helped to shape the Catholic theology the way we even have it today. Even though the world is trying to go here, why? Trying to change everything with define. but I think those teachings brought out the classical moral teachings we have in the church and should also help us in the society. Though it should not deprive us of expressing ourselves, should not deprive us of enjoying the freedom of the children of God, not the free- freedom of I do whatever I like. Nobody should talk, even when you are infringing on other people's freedom, too.
0: Yeah, amen. Father Anthony, I'm not going to ask you about theologians, but I am going to ask you about saints. So as we take a look at today's feast day, we're recording this program. It's the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. And when we think about how does the Lord bring about renewal in the church, it's often through saints. Is there a saint or a few saints that you have a particular devotion to uh, and and draw inspiration from uh, in your own life? I'd love to hear.
2: Yeah, coincidentally, the St. Francis of Assisi, I love him so much, you know, because he has a good relationship with St. Anthony of Padua. Okay? Then, fortunately, I know about him. And I drew a lot of um, inspiration from St. Francis of Assisi. For example, I know that St. Francis um, is a patron saint of, saint of Italy, okay? Patron saint of Italy, um, ecology, and the patron saint of animals, okay? That's, he, he talked about them, but then his main idea is about greed, according to St. Francis of Assisi, he said greed causes suffering, both on the victim and the perpetrators. He was trying to define greed, explain greed, you know, to Christians. And you see that a greedy person is an avaricious person, okay? A greedy person is a self-centered person. A greedy person is somebody who is, you know, insatiable. A greedy person is uh, somebody who lacks empathy. So according to St. Francis of RCC, he was trying to tell the people about being voracious, you know, mm-hmm. he said the root of greed is voraciousness. Wow. Okay? Um, you, 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 hungry for more. Yes. Hungry for more. So he was telling Christians all over the world, probably at his own time, like when I traveled to Venice, they said, oh, St. Francis is our patron saint, we revere him, okay? Trying to tell them about be contented.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right had, contentment, Yeah.
0: Like lady poverty. Right, was a big uh, theme, I think, in the spirituality of, of Saint Francis, which is a real. Uh, it's 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 very contradictory. It's it's hard for, um, for let's say Americans or for me maybe, uh, to say how uh, poverty is a is, is a is a beloved that you try to woo. Oh lady poverty come close to me lady poverty we were like lady poverty stay away mm-hmm. you know yeah. go away from us we don't see or value the gift of poverty as a means of coming into richer contact with god it's like I, it's like we don't think of it like that that somehow poverty will be a gift that brings us into contact with god we don't i don't, I don't think we look at it like that
2: Yeah, um, well, um, according to St. Francis, he abandoned the life of luxury to embrace poverty, you know? So, poverty doesn't mean you, you claim to be poor. Poverty means living the life, okay? Christian life. As priests, we took the vow of poverty we took vow of poverty as principle and you priest. see you
0: have a big smile on your face when you say that <laughs> father see? see it's hard to it's hard to us to reconcile that so. yeah
2: well the reconciliation is poverty doesn't mean what you possess poverty doesn't mean you you you're going to die because of that but poverty at times how you live your life in spirit you know, Paul in spirit. Yes. And not necessarily what you... Okay. So you can... got a
0: teacher on your left here, Father. And yeah. Father Remy, the teacher, is ready to jump in. I can see it. No, he's, no.
1: we going to let, let, let yeah. Father Remy... Father, what do you want to say I about think lady should, poverty? We, sh- we should understand what poverty is all about when we talk it from the Christian perspective or from the life of saints who practiced it. Uh, we are not talking of strictly lack of material possession. That is not what spiritual poverty here means. It is a kind of life of detachment from material. things. You can have them but you don't rely on them because one thing is this, if you are so attached to material possession this is where avarice comes in. This is where greed and everything. And you lack empathy. But poverty means that even if I have them, I know that one day I will leave these things and go. Therefore, your concentration is living out that spiritual life, even amidst many. And when it is not even there, you don't feel it so much because, you are, like he said, you are contented. That is what poverty is all about. A life of detachment from material possession. You may have them. You may not have them. But I don't think your life depends on it, especially when you think about salvation salvation. It doesn't depend on all this material possession. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you know, Father Remy, I think about it uh, like the apostles, when they heard the call of Jesus, they abandoned their nets and their family and they followed Jesus. Like they left everything to follow him. And for me, I feel like it's more the Lord calls me to leave everything, but to keep most things, but not as an owner but rather as a steward, in other words, I, I I am not possessed by them, but they're in my hands, but they're God's. So anything that I have now belongs to God because I've abandoned myself into his hands, and now I'm a steward rather than an owner. Does that sound does that strike you as? uh as kind of like the the spirit of poverty yeah
1: yeah. that's the perspective of it Mm -hmm. that's the perspective of it whatever i have belongs to god and that is why i don't see them as that is where my life depends okay Mm -hmm. and that is why when i live my life i live it out of love for everybody i don't live my life thinking that having that inordinate attachment and desire to material things. I, I live my life, try to live out the life of love, life of care. Even if I have these things, this matter, I use them to practice charity.
0: Amen, I love that. That's Father Remy and Father Anthony today, uh, two priests serving here in the Diocese of Boise at St. Thomas the Apostle Catholic Church, coming to us from Nigeria on mission on mission. And so, Father, I I just asked Father Anthony about a saint that um, he has a sense of devotion to and has inspired him. He mentioned St. Francis of Assisi, today's feast day, that we're recording this on. What about you, Father Remy? Is there a saint? You mentioned love a bunch of times. Saturday was the Feast of the Little Flower, that little way of love. Is there a particular saint that has informed or shaped your spirituality, or has helped you grow in your own Catholic way of life?
1: Thank you so much. I may not mention any particular saints I follow his or her way of life. I admire all the saints, because at a point in time, before I entered the seminary, I read the book that has to do with lives of saints. But You're like St. Ignatius of Loyola. Yeah. <laughs> I think a group of saints attracted my attention and these are people that is the impression I Have these saints that did many wonderful things but they, even during their own time they were not very much noticed but later they are wonderful this we are uh, for me uh, when you talk about a saint you know this saint didn't do the same thing but they are all christians and lived christian life for me a saint is somebody Either doing extraordinary things in an ordinary way or doing ordinary things in an extraordinary way. That is what makes them remarkable for me. So I love those ones that they did many remarkable things, but it was not even very much noticed while they were living. Most often they passed on along quietly till they are no longer, they were no longer in this world. These are the ones that attracted my attention, and they, I always ask God, please, wherever I walk, let me succeed, but I don't want to draw so much attention. Mm. These are the things that impress me so much.
0: So I just I'm discovering um, for really the first time Saint Gemma Galgani. Okay. I don't know if you I've I've heard the name, but she's a, a young lady that was a contemporary of the Little Flower, Saint Therese and lived a very hidden life. And it was only her diary that when it became known that the details of her holiness and how she had the stigmata invisibly and the amount of suffering she underwent and, and how she had this intimate connection with her guardian angel communicating to her. It was really striking. So, Father, to your point, Father Remy, about um, a lot of saints— were unknown in the time when they were living, and it was only afterwards that God chose to raise them up to have that sense of connection uh, between earth and heaven. I'm gonna gonna circle to that point. One of the things, fathers, that um, I've heard about the church in Africa and about Africans in general is there's a greater sensitivity to the realm of the spiritual. I think sometimes Americans are very materialistic And so having not a lot of um, awareness of the dimension of the supernatural, the dimension of angels, and the dimension of spirits, evil spirits, and and the demonic, Um, I would say many, many Catholics live most of their lives without really focusing on or or thinking about that. So Father Anthony, I'm going to ask you, and then I'll ask Father Remy. He'll, He'll correct us, Father. Don't worry. He's the teacher, so he'll correct us. But, uh, Father, when you think about your life of faith and growing up um, in Nigeria as a Catholic, was there a sense of there's a spiritual realm with angels and with demons, and we are caught up in in a world that is beyond the physical material world around us?
2: Yeah. You know, we grew up in Africa and uh, in our culture, okay? We came from a culture that recognizes the supreme being, okay? Even in our traditional religion, you know, before Christianity came up, we believe that there is a supreme being, okay? Surrounded by, call it the angels, but in our local culture, we call them uh, Abara. Abara means other gods, spirits, surrounding the supreme being, okay? So we came from a culture that believes in all those things. So when Christianity came, okay, we embraced it whole and entire because um, it's related to what we already believe in our culture. So we really believe in the supernatural being. We believe in the angels and archangels. We believe in the spirits, okay, that is surrounding the throne of God. Uh, you know, We believe and realize the scatology. When Jesus will come up, the angels and all that, we surround him, okay? We have that in, in our culture and we believe that so much in our culture in Africa and in Nigeria, respectively, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, that makes us, you know, there is something we call uh, uh, those who belong to the ministry of um, charismatic society, okay? They believe that they are Engaged in the spirit, okay? Whenever they are praying and all that, they are too emotional, because at times they try to, you know, foresee the the, the angels and the spirit, probably emotionally or otherwise. You know, they try to engage in that. So we have such experiences in Nigeria and in Africa. To tell you that we are the people of the spirit, that we believe in the spirit world, that we believe that they are the supernatural being, and we believe in the angels and archangels. We believe it so much that we can't do without them. Mm-hmm. Even in prayer, you see a lot of ecstasies in prayer. Like if it were to be in Nigeria in our church, when the priest is talking, you know, or trying to pray, you see people making, you know, A sort of some manifestation, some manifestations of the spirit, and then crying emotionally, okay? A a sort of a placebo clinic trying to show that something is happening, okay? At times you see them, you see it happening because of their faith in the supernatural and the angels. So they believe in that so much. So when we you know, when we come up here we didn't see we didn't find such emotional displays in the church you understand they were a bit calm But in the church you know when we celebrate mass we tend to you know to you try to, so yes. to stir them up father you
0: try to stir them up yes good.
2: So, but that that will take some time to be you know little by little because they are not used to that mm-hmm. they are not used to that yeah. so that is the, the the background we came from
0: Nice. Father Remy, I'll ask you the same question and add a little bit more to it. So Father is mentioning the way in which the spiritual realm is, is just accepted and expected in, in the church in Africa that you grew up in. What about the miraculous, the idea that God, that Jesus continues to heal and move in even miraculous ways? That is that something that, um, that is experienced? Is that something that's expected? Is that something that's sought for? Or is it more that, well, no, God heals through doctors, and that's really all you should be thinking about, is focusing on the medical things, except for rare occurrences, versus, no, the Lord is a, is the divine physician, and he will move in ways that involve even healings and, and signs and wonders. And we should expect that because that's how good our, and close our loving God is. What, 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 what would you say is the the, 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 the tenor, the spirit that, that you, you, uh, you experience in Nigeria and then bring here?
1: Oh, well, if I may add to what Father Tony Eliaron said, over there we live in a world of nature more. Nature, as God deposited it, than man-made realities. Here, we try to recreate nature, but it is usually seen from the man-made perspective. That is why we think, they think within the man perspective. But over there, we are so close to nature. We sense it around us. You know, nobody comes to plant their trees or everything. We have big trees growing up. Taking years, our people will come up and tell us so many things. And you know that there are forces around you. You know there are forces around, beyond your at times imagination or explanation. That is one thing. I think we in Africa, we are so closer to nature. So we see things from the perspective of beyond man. There are forces there. So that is why, as he said, we have in our African tradition, they always have this... Even before the advent of the missionaries, they had the sense of the supernatural, the supreme being, and the spirits. Even our ancestors also are counted into it that when they die, they join that realm, become ancestors that can be consulted. But I think the advent of Christianity tried to bring in everything to its crystal understanding. So we can now get better explanation of this supernatural being, God, Jesus Christ, angels, saints. So that is why an African embraced it with his or her whole heart. And uh, let me just tell you, like we are talking of miracle. Miracle, well, ordinarily they say it is divine intervention, divine intervention in the course of nature. And this divine intervention in the course of nature hasn't much to do with orthodox physicians or what, these are gifts God has given to man. We must always have recourse to it, but it doesn't limit God. When God wants to intervene, that is the miracle we talk about. When God wants to intervene, doctors wouldn't limit him. He may give us many wonderful gifts, but he may not give us everything at a place. So God can always intervene in the course of nature. So if you are sick, a doctor can say, from the medical perspective, it's all gone. But then, God can say, it's not yet your time. I can still remedy the situation because I understand more than them. I know more than them. I have more power than the doctors or engineers or whatever, okay? So that is where a miracle comes in. You can never limit God. He is not bound in time and space. So what he has given to us in professionals, they are good. We should use them, but that doesn't limit God, mm-hmm. and it doesn't exhaust God. He can always intervene in the course of human history and in the course of nature. That is where miracle comes in. And if we harmonize it very well, we will understand it better.
0: Father Remy, that's uh, it's very beautiful to you know to hear a priest speak about. The, the expectation that God moves in miraculous ways that, yeah, doctors can say one thing, but doesn't limit God. That's very beautiful. Uh, thank you for sharing that testimony. Again, I'm talking with Father Remy and Father Anthony, two priests serving here on mission, uh, uh, coming from uh, Nigeria in Africa, and they've been here for uh, nine months and for about 15 months, 15 months. So not that long. And I'm really happy that you'll be here for another 20 years. Is that right?
1: <laughs> if God with <laughs> And the church authority permits that.
0: <laughs> if God permits and the church authority permits. I like that. It's very important. It's very important. Let's talk a little bit about the devotional life uh, that you have as priests and uh, that maybe that you bring again as, as a rich gift from Nigeria. So here... I would say that you probably have encountered a lot of Catholics who have an appreciation for the rosary. You know, is there a particular, a devotion that's prominently lived out in Nigeria and that you yourself bring here?
2: Yeah, in Nigeria, we revere the Eucharist so much. And that reverence for the Eucharist can be seen in adoration, Eucharistic adoration. Okay, And this Eucharistic adoration, we still revere it so much that um, it commands a lot of uh, influence and crowd, just like Sunday Masses, because we revere the Eucharist so much. So our people have that spirit that even in that adoration, you know, we, we, we worship the Lord for us. That at times it turns to be, you know, at uh, times we stay uh, midnight, you know, vigil, from morning to night. At times from evening to the following day in reverence and worship of the Eucharistic Christ, you know? So we, 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 we worship so much that we want that kind of um, reverence to the Eucharist in America. We want them to revive the Eucharist more. They are doing it. Some of them are doing it, but we are preaching and then want them to do it more because it is the source and summit of our Christian life, the Eucharist.
0: That's beautiful. Father, uh, one of the things that, again, I mentioned that I've seen uh, is when you are presiding at liturgy, at Mass, you'll incorporate singing. How important is singing in your own, to it, say spirituality in your own, um, in, from your people, uh, from the place where you've come?
2: Oh, singing is part of lethargy, okay? We call it sacred music. It is part of lethargy. We not only sing, we also incorporate cultural and traditional, you know, expressions. songs, expressions yeah. that it helps to motivate the people, mm-hmm. you know? it motivates the people, it brings them up in worshipping the Eucharist, all this sacred music, adoration of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, all these things, you know, we combine them in order to uplift the people. Because, uh, of course, you know, there is what we call religious sentiments. It is there in religion. And it helps us, okay, to worship God, you know, so we incorporate the music and the Eucharist together. And, of course, you know that good music, you know, is a harmony to the ear. So it lifts up the spirit in the worship, okay? So um, we want to bring that to America, you know, both in the Mass and in the Eucharistic adoration. So it will help to lift them up and it makes them become interested in the reverence to the Eucharist.
0: That's beautiful. Father Remy, I'd love for you to answer that question as well, Uh, whether it's the question about devotions, adoration, or singing. uh, what, What would you want to add to what Father Anthony is saying?
1: Thank you. I think in Nigeria, especially the part of Nigeria we came from, Like in so many other African Catholic churches or even Christian churches, the church is very vibrant, very, very vibrant.
0: And what does that look like? What does a vibrant church look like?
1: Oh, no. Oh, no. Every aspect of a Christian's life that is expected is there. So you come to
0: Mass on Sunday and you're there for maybe an hour at most.
1: We can stay more than that.
0: That was a joke, Father.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We can stay more than that. And let me tell you, at times, if you spend one hour in a mass, some people feel that you've not given them enough. Wow. Yes, even though at times there are certain activities that you may say they are not too necessary, but they want to hear good homily. Mm -hmm. They want to be part of a a church that is singing, praying, devoted, spiritually uplifted, mm-hmm. and they, are, they have the devotion, I'm telling you. What I may not interpret is the heart of each person, but they have the devotion outwardly. Like you talk about devotion, Father has said it. <laughs> devotion to the Eucharist, for me, the, 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 first of all, if you want to have serious devotion to the Eucharist, it starts with sense of the sacred. Do you have sense of the sacred, sacred places, sacred things? Then, in the Eucharist, do you have sense of the real presence? If you have sense of the real presence, have the sense of the sacred. Why can't you be devoted to the Eucharist when you remember that this is real Jesus, not as some people say here, a piece of wafer. <laughs> some say a piece of wafer, <laughs> cracker. I don't know how they describe it. In my place, if you do that, even if it is not consecrated, they look at you as an unbeliever. So. One, you must believe in the real present. That's how you can pour out your heart devotion to the Eucharist. That's how you can understand the miracle of the Eucharist. That's how you, with faith, you can, you can, you can realize how important it is for you to revise Jesus in the Eucharist. One of the best and greatest gifts he left for his church. Then that also carries us to devotion to Mary, of course. Really? After Jesus, the next thing you... In fact, in our place, Catholics are always erroneously thought to be worshipping Mary because of the extent of devotion. There are many groups. Like myself, if I say I got a vocation, it's from a Marian group. Because when we are growing, I think it was borrowed from Fatima. We are what we call the block rosary center. Every street has one or two. Children every evening around 7 o'clock gather with some grown-up who control them to say the rosary. Really? Every day. And at times, do the catechism. They may do it for two hours, seven to nine in the night, and when everywhere was very safe, not so much now. You have the young ladies group, like in our place, the Mary Legias, they pattern their life according to the life of Mary. Even the mothers have a group, CW, they pattern their life according to their life and do a lot of devotion to Mary. We have the group called Mother of Perpetual Help Group. We have the Marian movement. We have the Marian devotion or the Marian, yeah, good. We have the Blue Army. All these are societies, there are many of them. I may not mention them, but they are meant for particular devotion to Our Lady and Her life of humility, of chastity, and whatever you have. So we have so many of them in Nigeria. And it's such a vibrant church that I mean, when you go in among them here, well, I've seen some devoted people. To be honest, before I arrived there, from the things we see in the media, we thought that America has lost it. Mm I was really encouraged, really edified, when I came into a parish and saw people who are really devoted. Mm -hmm. If you are not doing the adoration, they are worried. If you are not celebrating the Mass the right way, they are worried. They want to see priests celebrate with reverence, and they want to be part of that reverence. And I think this is part of it we have in the church. We we were brought up to reverence anything sacred about our faith. Okay? So the highest point of it, like he said, the center and summit of our Christian life, the Eucharist. If you can't celebrate the Eucharist with reverence, if you're a priest, you better ask yourself a question, what am I doing here, and who am I? So.
0: Father, that's very powerful. Uh, if you believe it or not, we've been talking for almost an hour, so. Yeah, so it's a beautiful, what a beautiful testimony to hear some of your stories, Father. It's Father Remy and Father Anthony from St. Thomas the Apostle uh, Catholic Church here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Recent arrivals, the the new pastor here and the new associate. Fathers, it's great to have you on. Thanks for t- giving me so much time and sharing so freely and openly about your life in Nigeria and your call to service, priests here. Thank you so much.
1: God bless you. God bless you.